say Bethlehem's 30, 31 miles as the crow flies, you can't just get there with a straight line. You know, I mean, you can look at it and say, oh, that's not going to be an easy thing to just go a straight line. You've got to go around a little bit. So let's go back to that map. I went on Google Maps. How incredible is that, right? Just go to Google Maps. And I typed in uh, Mount Nebo to Bethlehem. It first gave me Utah. <laughs> like, nah, I'm not talking about Utah. Uh, which, that's another story in itself. It is a false Israel. Uh, if, if, you ever do, if you ever have time to look at it, where the Mormons have built, they built Israel upside down. And there is a Mount Nebo. There is all the, all the things that you see in Israel, but it's literally upside down. They have the Jordan River. They have all the, all the things that you would expect to see in Israel, but it's in complete opposite. It's completely upside down. It's another story another day. Mount Nebo to Bethlehem. You see what they're doing there? You see that little north, how they kind of they come out and they go north? They're headed to the plains of Moab. That's where you would be headed next. That's the most natural place. And I thought it was fascinating that Google Maps took, took the same route that I think Ruth would have taken, right? Uh, and why is that? Because that's going to be the most natural way to go. You know, following a natural path, this is going to be where you're headed. So where does that end up on our map? So they're coming up, you know, to the side of the Dead Sea, and then uh, from, from Moab, they get to the Mount Nebo. Then they're headed back down the plains to the plains of Moab. I said there were two places that they likely uh, would have stopped. One is Mount Nebo. The second stop would be the plains of Moab. Moab. What happened there? What happened in the plains of Moab? Well, this is where uh, Joshua and all the Israelites camped out while they did what? They sent the spies across the river into Jericho. And that's where, the, of course, they're going to meet Rahab. And that's, that's where they're going to be defeating Jericho and then have, have their first defeat in Israel. And that's where they're going to be. Okay? So where do they naturally stop? The plains of Moab. And that's where they're going to cross over. I think the same thing would be true of Ruth. If that's the route that Moses took, if that's the route that Joshua took, it's very likely the same route that Naomi and Ruth would take uh, on their route. So, zoom in one more time. Next, next slide. I even told uh, Google Maps, what if I walked it? <laughs> and so, I shifted from car to walking. It says 20 hours to go 53 miles. And then I thought, well, that's, that's probably with a very clear path modern, clear path. That's very optimistic, I think, to, to make it there in 20 hours, uh, to make it 53.3 miles according to Google Maps. In reality, it probably took them about seven days, maybe, maybe as many as 10 days to get there. Now, why is all of that important? You know, when we think about, um, when we think about the, all that's taking place, I want you to picture that slide. I want you to picture that. Maybe we can go back one more time. I'm sorry to have, have, keep you going back. Go back to that view of, uh, of, uh, from Moab, from Mount Nebo. Here, here they are, about to make this journey. And we just framed up verses 9 and 14. And there's something in between here that's going to be the pivotal point, Right? So if 9 and 14 are the reversal, then 10 to 13 
would be the X in the chiastic structure. 10 to 13 would be the focal point. So let's look at it. Ruth chapter 1, let's look at verse 10 through 13. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, and go, for I am too old. Too old to have a husband. Listen to these next words. If I should say I have hope, what's she saying? I don't. I don't have hope. It is a hopeless situation. There is no hope. That's the key point. That's where she's that's where we're after. The whole the whole chiastic structure is to point us to those words to let us know Naomi is trying to communicate, I can't have children. There is no hope. Let's continue. If I should have a husband tonight and should bear sons, you know, <laughs> she's saying, if I were to have, if I were to get pregnant tonight, would you wait for them till they're grown, till they're old enough to what? To marry? And, and then you would have a, a, a husband to, that would redeem you? No. Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No. My daughters, it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So there it is. If I should say I have hope, she is making it super clear. She doesn't see hope. She doesn't see it. She just sees that she's changed her mind. She's going to head back. And maybe it's because it's familiar, but regardless, she's headed back. So what's the difference then between Naomi's view and our view of the gospel? Naomi knew enough to return, but she couldn't see the hope. You and I, we should know the hope of Christ. We should know the hope of Christ. And if we count the cost, we would conclude it would be a difficult journey, but worth the commitment. So then let's wrap up with key point number three. Key point number three is this. Our commitment to the Lord is not because it will be a life of ease, but because our hope is in a relationship with Jesus. So we now come to the most beautiful and poetic pieces of literature ever written. And it portrays the highest level of loyalty and commitment. And we read verses 16 through 22. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more so also. If anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now, by the way, that's not giving her the silent treatment. She, it's saying that she... She stopped trying to convince her, okay? Verse 19, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Which, by the way, means pleasant, since the Lord has testified against me. 
and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter, daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. We're at the end of the chapter. Now, if this were not a chiastic structure, or if I didn't see that it was a chiastic structure and didn't make that observation, I would have, I would have read through chapter 1, and I would have thought that, that Ruth's response to Naomi was the key focus. Because it's so poetic, right? I mean, you're reading through it, and you're going, this is a beautiful, beautiful. Clearly, that's the focus, right? Clearly, that's the message that chapter 1 is trying to get across, is look at her loyalty and commitment. That must be the central focus and the theme of chapter 1. But what's interesting is, if you see the chiastic structure, it says that's not the key point, that's not the pivotal point, it comes right before that. It happens right before that, and that's where Naomi is saying, it's hopeless. I can't have children. Go back for your sakes. It, it's, it's not going to happen. Even if I were to have a child, conceive a child tonight, not going to happen. It's hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. So without the chiastic structure, I would have overlooked. I would have overlooked this observation. If Ruth's response isn't the center of the chiastic structure, then what is? And then I look back, I see it, and then I ask myself this question. What is, all right, so let's look at, look at this real quick. You see Ruth's response, E? That was my next question. Is, is if, if Ruth's response is not the center, then it's going to correspond with something else, right? That's the purpose of the chiastic structure. So what is Ruth responding to? She's responding to Naomi's plea. Now, we, because of the way we read it, we don't see the correlation. So I want to read it to you again, but I, what I want to do is I, I took the liberty of taking Naomi's plea, verses 8 and 9, and then giving Ruth's response to each of her phrases. All right, so listen to it this way. Naomi said, go, return. Ruth said, wherever you go, I will go. Naomi said, return, each to your mother's house. Ruth said, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Naomi then said, the Lord Yahweh deal kindly with you. Ruth said, your people will be my people. Your God will become my God. Naomi said, you have dealt with the dead and with me. And Ruth said, where you die, I will die, and I will be buried. Naomi said, the Lord Yahweh, grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. And Ruth said, the Lord Yahweh, do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Does your mind just not just go, oh my goodness. Every single line in Ruth's response corresponds directly with her plea. Every single, every single phrase of Naomi's plea it has a Ruth's response exactly in order, in the same sequence, 
And it, and it shows here this comparison. So again, it's support to show, you're seeing the chiastic structure lay out over and over and over. Why was Ruth able to make such a strong commitment? I mean, why could, how in the world did she get there? Well, ultimately, it was built upon her relationship with Naomi. That's what it was built upon. It was built upon her relationship. Did you notice that Ruth's final statement acknowledges faith in Yahweh? Go back and look at it. Look at the very last statement. Naomi says, The Lord Yahweh grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Ruth responds, The Lord Yahweh do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. She acknowledges the covenant name of God, and she's willing to follow the Lord. You know, the world's religions are built upon maintaining a set of rules, but yet Christianity is built upon a relationship with Jesus. We make the decision to follow him not based upon a set of rules, but we make our decision to follow him based upon a relationship. So Ruth's hope is not in the circumstances. Her hope is not, she's looking out and she sees everything that Naomi sees. And she's looking, she's looking at the terrain. She's looking at the distance. And she's like, I get that the circumstances are not, are not the best. I get it that it's difficult. But my commitment is to you. She was willing to go through all of the hardship of the journey because of the relationship that she had with Naomi. So hear me on this. Faith in Jesus is not built upon our ability to maintain a set of rules or just to make it through hardships. Our relationship is built upon a relationship with Jesus. What I'm saying is that when the foundation of your faith is built on a relationship with Jesus, that the hardship of the journey that it's going to produce is it's going to actually produce a blessing that far exceeds our greatest hopes, even when we think the situation is hopeless. So Naomi isn't quite there yet. She's not making this decision based on relationship, but she's still dealing with the bitterness and the loss of her husband, her two sons. And when they arrive in Bethlehem, the welcome wagon is excited to see her. They come out, the, new, the two of them went to Bethlehem, and as it happened, when they come to Bethlehem, the, that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? You know what this tells me? The people have not forgotten Naomi. Years have gone by. They haven't forgotten her. And guess what? Neither has God. Neither has God. Naomi's still struggling. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I want you to notice what Samuel does. Because when I first read it, it seemed somewhat out of place. Why in the world is he mentioning that it was the beginning of barley harvest? Like, what in the world? That's the most bizarre ending. That's a strange ending to the chapter. Look at verse, verse 22. So Naomi returned, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of of barley harvest. Now, why is that important? Because it's the close of the chiastic structure. It's the close of it. How did the chapter end? Barley harvest. How did it begin? Famine. What is Samuel saying? 
He's saying the whole purpose of the chapter is to let you know there's, there's seemingly no hope. And then the very last verse, in that first chapter, he says, beginning of barley harvest. What's he saying? Here's that glimpse, just a glimpse of hope. That's it. I mean, that's, the, you know. So when we come to the end of the chapter, we should, be, we should read those words. It's the beginning of barley harvest, and we should just be rejoicing, going, oh my goodness, God has provided a glimpse of hope. A glimpse. It's the beginning of, of, of barley harvest. So the main idea, hopelessness. That hopelessness of chapter 1 becomes the starting point of a new chiastic structure for the entire book. How the Lord brought them from hopelessness to hope that is possible and concludes the book with hope that is realized. One last thought. Whatever hardship you faced or are facing, there is hope through a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray.